Ready or not, Christmas is going to be here in just uh, three days. So are you ready? Eh, maybe. Okay. 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 All right. Well, I mean, if you, if you bought all your gifts. Okay. Okay. No? Okay. Well, you got, you got a little bit of time, but uh, it'll be here whether you... Uh, procrastinate or not. And so I hope that you're, you're ready for this joyous occasion. Uh, listen, I want to invite you to c- come back this week on Tuesday. We're going to be having our Christmas Eve service. It'll be here on, on Christmas Eve at 530 in here. And we'd love for you to come back. We're going to have um, some, some great holiday music that'll be shared with you. Um, I'm going to share some, some insights on the Christmas story that I hope will be helpful to you. And uh, we'll get to play with fire, okay? I mean, I mean, great combination. Uh, so you never know uh, what'll, what'll happen with that. So we always uh, are kind of uh, fear and trepidation when we get to give you an open flame in, in this place. But uh, come, come and be part of that. It's, it's going to be an incredible thing. I want you to invite your family and friends. And particularly if you've got family and friends that really aren't church people, Okay, this is a great opportunity to to bring people that really aren't church people to church. Okay, we'll be a little less scary. Uh, okay, to them, and um, hopefully they'll they'll come. All right. Well, this morning we're going to continue our our series we've began. We've been to do it for this month uh, that we've called Unwrap, and we've been talking about elements of the Christmas story that I think will be helpful to you. Um, We understand that this holiday season uh, has joy, and as the song goes, it's the most wonderful time of the year. But as we talked about, it's not the most wonderful time because what's happening, because in your life there's a lot of stuff that's happening that isn't so wonderful. It's the most wonderful time of the year because what happened and so I want to talk a little bit about that as we um, go through this this morning and we go through the, the Christmas story. So uh, to start off, I don't want to be uh, overly negative here this morning, but, um, but I, I want to ask you a, a question, and, uh, and that is, how many of you have problems? Okay. Right. Now, I didn't say point to the problem, Okay. <laughs> But go ahead and put your hands up and just hold it for just a second. I want you to look around and see you're not the only one that, that you know, okay. Some, some of you, okay, Brother Jack, Brother Jack does not have any problems, okay. So, so he, I, I don't know how he got in here, if that's the case. I know, okay. But, but the, all the rest of us, we've got problems, okay. And uh, even at Christmas time, right, Problems don't just magically go away. You know, we still have problems that that we have to deal with. Now, when we talk about problems, problems aren't just just one thing, okay? It's not like my problem is your problem, right? Because problems come in different shapes and sizes. Problems have all different types of nuances and stuff that, that come with it. Okay, so some of those problems are, are are issues you have with your family. Some of the issues you have with yourself. Some of it may be your neighbors or your family or whatever. So I want to kind of start and, and get us really thinking about that the issue of problems. So I'm going to ask um, Don McLeish to come on up here. He's going to help me with uh, kind of the introduction to the message today. With that, okay, 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 okay. okay. Thank you, Don. All right. Now, as I say, problems come in different sizes, okay? And, okay. Oh, no, no, not you, okay. <laughs> okay, well, all right, we've got some presents here, okay? And, um, all right, Don, I'll have you pick up this first one. This is a small one here, and it's kind of like representative of problems that, that we have. And sometimes, I mean, is that really all that heavy? I mean, could you carry that around for a little while? Yeah, I mean, some problems we have, and they're just, they're not a big deal. We kind of, we can carry them around, and we can handle it. It's almost not even worth describing it as a problem, because it's not really all that difficult. You can carry it. You could, you know, I'll do all sorts of things with it. Yeah, you know. And um, so it's not all that heavy. And, and some of you got problems that are like that, and, and they're there. You kind of know it, but they're, they're no biggie, but they're still there. Okay. All right. Now, uh, over here on the other side, 
we've got uh, kind of a medium-sized one. And uh, go ahead and pick that, pick that guy up. And, um, okay, and maybe it's a little heavier than the first one. Yeah. So, so I mean, you know, you carry it, and I mean, it's it's still you can still carry it around. But would you like to go through the mall carrying that all the, everywhere? You know, you mean again, again, not again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, some of these problems they have some weight to them, and you're carrying it around, and and you know that you have it. I mean, it's not like you can ignore it because there is definite there is some definite weight to it. You, you, now you're able to carry it around, you're able to hold it. But it's it's really not convenient, especially if you're trying to do something and you need two hands or whatever. It's not one of those things you could just kind of kind of balance um, easily. So some weight to it. Okay, okay, we'll try. Okay, and then there are problems that that are of the larger variety, and they 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 come in a a, a, a larger package. So you can um, uh, try that. Okay, and there there's a harder. Um, to to, to, <laughs> to to carry, yeah. Sound, sounds kind of uh, ominous, you know. Watch out with that, okay. <laughs> so I mean, you know, would you like try lugging that around all Christmas? No, I mean some of these problems are so overbearing and heavy. I mean, I mean, if you uh, uh, weren't careful, I mean, you could get hurt with that. I mean, you dropped that on yourself or dropped it on somebody or whatever. And so, oh. <laughs> I know what's in there and I don't want to, <laughs> but, but yeah, okay. It's already breaking the bag, you know, and, and sometimes that's the way problems are. They, they're destructive. I mean, if you're not careful, they just become a mess and you can't carry them around. So I want you to think about your problems in that regard. Thank you, Don. All right? Good. But the problems that we have in Christmas are kind of a, probably represented by, by one or maybe even a, a combination of those things there. Okay? So, so the issue is what do we do when you got problems? Okay? Well, what do you do with, with them? Do you carry them around? Well, as you can see, that can get pretty wearisome, and you're carrying around these things, and pretty soon you get tired, or the bag breaks, or you just, you get, you want to throw it at somebody, you know, right? Do you ignore the problem, right? That's our strategy sometimes. Uh, If I pretend like the problem isn't there, it will go away. Does that work for anybody? Now, I'll just, I, it's not a problem anymore because I said abracadabra is not a problem anymore. No, it's still a problem. In fact, the longer you ignore the problem, the heavier it gets until one day you got a mess on your hands because the problems don't just go, problems don't just instantly vanish because you, you know, mentalize that it's going to go away. Or when you got a problem, do you get mad about it? I don't like the problem. Well, I don't know too many people that say, yay, problem. Okay. So, 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 so you get, do you get mad at it? Do you start yelling at the problem? Stupid problem. Foolish problem. I hate you problem. You're not getting any gift this Christmas problem. You know, what, what does that, what does that do? Or do you just get emotional? Do you start crying? Do you start feeling depressed? I mean, what, what do you do? And that's, that's kind of the dilemma that we face when we deal with problems. Now, don't say it out loud, but think to yourself, what is your problem this Christmas? Okay. Or, or maybe the question is, who is your problem? Okay. I told you, stop pointing. Okay. <laughs> but, but problems are there. They, they come in different shapes and sizes. Now, you might be surprised to learn that, that even Jesus' family on the first Christmas had problems. The family of Jesus had problems. Now, think about this. If Jesus' family had problems, what's the chance that your family's going to have problems too? Pretty good, right? I mean, if, if, the, if the perfect son of God's family had problems, what's the likelihood that you're going to have problems? You're probably going to have problems, and you're going to have it, okay? So 
So if the family of Jesus has problems, you've got it. So here's what I'd like us to do. We're going to go and turn to the Gospel of Matthew, the very first book in the New Testament, Matthew's Gospel. And um, Matthew begins to give us some details on this narrative regarding the Christmas story. And as Matthew writes about this, here's how he begins that, the narrative of the Christmas story this way. I'll look at it. Matthew chapter uh, 1 and uh, verse 18, if you go down to verse 18, and here's what it says. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. So here we're introduced to to Mary and Joseph, this couple. Now give give you some background on what's what's taking place here. As as this couple comes together, they they came out of a Jewish background. And as was the custom at this time, marriages for Jewish couples were arranged marriages. And what that means is the is that her parents and his parents got together and they arranged for them to be married. Some of the parents are saying, man, that's, that's a custom we need to bring back, you know. But, but this was a custom that they had. And so the parents would, would get with the other parents and they would arrange this marriage. It's very possible that J- Joseph and Mary had no say in the matter. They may not even have even met each other prior to this. Now, what is significant is that in this arranged marriage, it was more than just families doing this. This was a legally binding decision. Okay. It was a contract that was put together. And so when the families agreed, this was going to happen. Okay. Now in that custom, very different than the way we do things today, there were two different components that comprised their custom leading to marriage. Okay. And in the Jewish uh, marriage, there was the first part, it was called the, the Kedushan. And it is the engagement period. And this is sort of the the contract is made. They're going to be married. And the couple would take this time, usually about 12 months, and they would get a chance to get to know each other. And so they would would kind of meet and kind of hang out. And um, it, it was a period to kind of prove the fidelity of the partners. There was no physical... Uh, relationship. They didn't live together or or you know, have any intimacy in that regard, but it was a chance for them to kind of get to know the families and each other. And, and it was, even though they weren't officially married, it was like they were in that sense. So it was a little different than our engagement period t- today. The second part of it is called the chuppah, and it was the actual wedding itself. And um, the kind of interesting, the word that they use for, for this literally refers to canopy. So when the Jewish people get married, you know, usually when we get married, you know, you go to a church and you, you stand up on the platform before the pastor. Well, in the Jewish settings, even if they're inside, they have a canopy. They have like a little tent that they have that speaks about the covering that's about to come over the relationship. And so the wedding itself was a big deal in Jewish settings huge. Uh, the wedding literally would last seven days. So it wasn't just, hey, we had the ceremony and then we, we have our reception, we're off on our honeymoon. No, for seven days, there was a big, they partied on. Okay. So if you kind of think back to the, to the narrative in the gospel of Jesus, you remember when he turned the water into wine and you're like, man, they're out of wine. Well, if you saw the, the container, when I was in Israel, the container wasn't like this little pitcher. It was this giant um, stone chasm. And you're like, man, that's a lot of wine. But, but it's for seven days, okay? They partied for seven days, and so it kind of makes sense. And so this was all part and parcel of the custom that they had when it came to marriage. And so we're introduced to Mary and Joseph, and they're, they're now engaged, and they've got the plans to set up to have this big, glorious wedding. And as this all comes together, the news comes out, that Mary is pregnant. That's a problem because they, they haven't had the wedding ceremony yet. It's a big, big, big problem there. You know, how does she, how does she explain her condition? 
I mean, at some point, she's going to start to show. It's not like you can hide that forever. Just, you know, I'm just, you know, a little too much weight, you know, a little too much celebrate. You know, I mean, she's going to get, they're going to figure it out and they do the math, you know. But God tells her she's with child of the Holy Ghost. This is a miracle. Okay. But how many of you would believe that? If you were there and she said, wow, you're, you're pregnant already? Oh, my. And she, well, no, it's all right. God did this. Okay? You know, like, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, because that just happens all the time. And so now they've got this dilemma that's there. I mean, talk about a problem. This is a monumental problem that they have here. And you say, well, you know, I've read through that. Yeah, we read through this, but imagine... The, the situation there. Imagine what was, ha- as the word got out, the gossip that started going forth. Did you hear that couple, Joe and met Joseph and Mary? Yeah, they're a nice couple. Did you hear she's pregnant already? At Joseph, you know, you know. Think about the 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 the, the looks that she would have got. Think about the whispers. Think about the judgmental spirits that people had. I mean, obviously, they've messed up. And again, you in our society it, today, sadly, it's not a it's not as uh, much of a stigma. But I promise you, in biblical times, this was this was a huge, huge problem, a very serious problem, because there were implications here socially. There were implications here morally and religiously and legally. There were there were problems. Luke's gospel, as he writes about this account, reminds us that, that, that God sent the angel to communicate to Mary what was going on. Because she just, she's like, you know, woke up one day and she's like, wow, I feel different. And the angel comes and says, listen, um, you're going to be a mama. And she's like, wow, um, how did this happen? Right. So, so she knew the truth because God told her what took place. But just because it's true, does that mean people are going to believe it? I mean, that was that would be that'd be a hard pill to swallow. Now we read this, and as and, and as believers, we read this, and we go, "Yeah, we understand Virgin Mary and baby Jesus, and we've got all that together." But if you were living at that time and you didn't know any of this, and you heard the news that that Mary is pregnant now, immediately your mind would say, "She messed up." They couldn't wait to the wedding. That's what you would think. That's what I would think. And when she would tell us, well, no, it's of the Holy Ghost, there's none of us that would buy that. No way. Because after all, how how many times has that happened in history? Just one time that I'm familiar with, right here. So now they're struggling with this enormous, enormous problem. Verse 19, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. So Joseph finds out. He gets the news of her pregnancy. And now he's got a big problem. Now he has to decide what he is going to do. Because she's told him the story, but here's what Joseph knows. (laughs) Kid's not mine. He knows that. I, I had nothing to do with that. He knows. He also knows where babies come from. Okay? He realizes the stork does not bring them. So he, he, get, he understands the implication there. And he also understands what people are going to say and think. It's not just about Mary, because now they're going to think, they're going to think that Joseph did this, Right? I mean, Mary didn't do it on her own. Takes two to to do that. And so now Joseph realizes he's going to be brought in to this conflict. And so what started out as her problem is now our problem. And so now what does he do now that he's brought into this conflict? Now, the Bible says he's a just man. Joseph was a good man. He was a good guy. He, he wasn't mean-spirited. He, he wasn't vindictive. He, he loved Mary. 
He was looking forward to their marriage and relationship and their life and, and everything that went with it. And yet this problem was just kind of thrown at him. And so he has no desire to turn this into some public scandal, which would would be in a small town. You know, in a small town, everybody knows everybody's business. You know, everybody knows everybody. It wasn't like, you know, he could, he was in Jerusalem, a big city. You know, he's in Nazareth. It wasn't that big. And, and he realizes everybody knows everybody and they're going to know his business. And pretty soon, you know, he's not going to be Joseph. He's going to be Joseph, the guy that couldn't wait for their wedding. And all the shame and everything that goes with it. So he's trying to, to think through, how can I minimize this problem? How can I, how can I solve it the easiest way as possible? And so what comes to his mind is, well... I'm just going to have to cancel our wedding. I'm going to have to back out of it. I'm going to have to end our engagement. Now, it was more complicated just simply asking for his ring back. Okay, that that wasn't it. Because this was a binding contract. So it wasn't as simple as Joseph just to say, hey, we called it off. Now he's got to go through all this different situation to to bring it about. And and here's the hardship. What should have been a happy occasion. You know, when you're getting married, isn't that a happy occasion? Isn't that a joyous occasion? You know, should be. Um, and, And yet it turned out to be anything but a joyous occasion. When we're getting ready to celebrate Christmas, Christmas ought to be a happy occasion, right? We ought to have joy. We ought to be uh, you know, in, in enjoying the company of our of our family and friends and and all that, and yet problems can can work their way in, and instead of it being joy to the world, we've got you know a war of the worlds going on, right? And you know what that is with a with a family and different things. I mean, who wants a problem when, when you're celebrating, right? We're going to sing joyful things, but. <laughs> I can't, I can't focus because my problem is sitting over on the other side of the church. And so when I'm, so, so when I'm singing, I got to constantly do this, you know, because I don't want to see the problem. So, and maybe if I pretend like the problem isn't there, it just, it goes away. So, you know, we look, oh, it's still there. Um, I'll move a little over here. It's still there. Okay. I, I'm just going to act like the problem's not there, you know, but, but I know that it is. And the same thing with Joseph and Mary, the problem just didn't go away. And for some of you, for your Christmas gatherings, that problem is going to be there. It's going to be at your family gathering. As you sit down at the table, you're going to be looking across the table at the problem. So what, do you, what, do you, what are you going to say? You know, peace on earth, right? What, what are you going to say in that, in that, in that regard? I just won't say anything. Yeah, that, that really worked well for you, right? So I just won't say, yeah, 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 no. It, it comes out. What's inside comes out. It does. Now, again, some problems are very simple. They're, they're, the, 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 the most complicated thing to some problems is you just have to man up or woman up and just say, I'm sorry, right? I'm sorry and mean it. Okay. Not like my kids used to do. You remember kids would get into it and you'd say, I'd say to him, you know, say to your, say to your sister, I'm sorry. And, you know, and he turned, sorry, you know, you, you, you knew they weren't really sorry. They just said it because they had to, you know, say to your brother, you're sorry. I'm sorry. You know, I'll rip your dip, you know, you know, uh, and, and so I don't mean sorry that way, but I mean, really just kind of bringing peace in that. Regard. Some problems are simple in that regard and, and others. The problems are people. <laughs> and so you know that if you're around the people, it's going to be very, very uncomfortable. Because every time you look at them, you're reminded of the problem. And even though you tell yourself, I'm not going to think of the problem, I'm not going to think of the problem, I'm not going to think of it, what happens when you see them? You think of the problem, right? And so if you're around them pretty soon, something's going to come out of your big mouth that shouldn't come out. Okay? It just is, it's inevitable. Okay, it'll happen. And then what happens is, well, something comes out of their mouth. And, you know, 
back and forth, and we have this volley until finally, you know, you know, bombs go off until there come casualties, and you know, it's not not a good thing. So, what do you do with these problems? I mean, what's Joseph and Mary going to do with these problems? It's not like they can just say, "Well, I want it to go away, go away, go away." Okay, it's gone because it wasn't going to go away. It was there. Okay. For at least nine more months, there was going to be a problem that was there. It's going to still, it's going to still be there. So how, how do they deal with this situation? Go on to verse 20. But while he, that's Joseph, thought on these things, Joseph is trying to process all these things. Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. The solution to this problem and the solution to your problem is God. God intervened. God steps in. Because Joseph really has no idea what's going on. He knows what Mary has told him, and he really wants to believe her. But sometimes what we see, just we just can't get past that. And what we know, he couldn't understand all that was going on. And, and the implications of the decision that he's about to make are going to have enormous repercussions. Because, I mean, imagine the Christmas story without Mary and Joseph. It just wouldn't, wouldn't work, right? And so, so his decision, as he's thinking of sending her away and just calling it all off, has, has enormous consequences. See, in his mind, he thinks that's the most charitable thing. That's going to cut down on the shame. That's going to cut down on the conflict. That's just going to make things so much easier, and we'll just walk away. As painful as it is, I'll walk away from it. And yet, if he were to do that, it would have, it would have really been the worst thing that could possibly happen. He didn't quite understand all that's going on. And when a problem is happening, you see and you feel certain things, but you don't know the whole thing. You don't know the, all that's going on. Now, I'm not saying that Joseph was wrong in what he was going to do. He had the right to do that. But he didn't quite understand all that was taking place. And a lot of times in problems, we don't really understand all that's happening. Here's what was going on. He didn't get it. Mary's pregnancy was brought on by God. Doesn't that sound strange that God would be the instrument of the problem? God, God was doing this. And I'm not saying that your problem that you're going through, that God did that. Okay, I'm not saying that. Clearly, in some of the problems you're facing... It's the fact that God wasn't involved in that. So I, I understand that. So please hear me on that. What I'm saying is that God can take the situation, no matter what it is, or no matter who's involved, and God can work in a, in a, in a way that brings out a totally different conclusion than what you thought. But he's wrestling with this because he can't figure out how God could be part of this. This is terrible. How could God be part of this? And we look back at it because we know the whole narrative and we understand, hey, this is how God's coming into the world. This is all great and glorious. But he, he didn't understand that. He'd never read Matthew. He'd never read the Gospel of Luke because it hadn't been written yet. Okay. He's also going to have to struggle with what others are going to question about the situation. There are going to be other people, and no matter what he says, no matter what he does, they're going to think ill of him. doesn't matter. Hey, God came to Mary. Hey, God came to me, Joseph. There are going to be people that aren't going to believe that, no matter what you say and do. 
And he's going to have to deal with that and know that there are going to be certain faction of people that no matter what happens, they're going to think ill of him. You ever been accused of something that you didn't do? You know, they said you said this when you never said that, or you did this and you never did that. And no matter what you said, no matter what you put before them, they refused to accept that explanation. And so every time you would see them, you're knowing that they're thinking wrong about you. Well, that's, that's what Joseph is kind of wrestling with. And my point in all that is there was no easy path moving forward. See, sometimes what we want with the problems is we want somehow things to work out that make it easy for us. You know, I'll say this prayer and everything gets better. Sometimes what I've got to do is swallow my pride. And let me tell you, I can choke on my pride sometimes. So can you. What was it my fault? Okay. But what do you want? Do you you want to resolve the conflict or do you want to be right? Now, it's easy for us to say, I want to resolve the conflict. But deep down in our heart, sometimes we want to be right more than we want to have peace. We want to be right more than we want God to be glorified. Do you want God to be glorified or do you want to be glorified? Well, of course, I'm in church, so I'm going to say God, but by my actions, it's going to be me. And so that's what Joseph is at this crossroad here, is he's got to decide how he's going to handle this situation. Because on the surface, He's well in his rights just to call it off. But now that God has has interjected himself into the equation, it's a whole different ballgame. So now he knows what Mary knows, that this is a God thing. And that some people are just never going to get it. So what's Joseph going to do? Go to verse 21. And he continues giving information to Joseph. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from... I want to just pause there for a second. Joseph, you're going to have a son. Wow, a son. I've always wanted a son. Great. But it's not going to be your son. Because remember, you didn't have anything to do with it. Right? In fact... You're not even going to get to name the son. I know you wanted to name this son after your uncle Leo, okay? But not going to happen. We've picked out a name. We're going to we're going to call this child Jesus. He's not going to be named after a relative. He's going to be named after a great leader. And here's what I want you to understand: the the name Jesus is the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew name Joshua. Okay. You wouldn't pronounce the, the, the J in, in, in Hebrew, so it would be Yeshua. Joshua. Okay. That, that, that's, that's the name. Nobody knew who Joshua was. He was a prominent figure, leader in Israeli's history. And so Joseph is trying to process this. And so Joseph is like, well, that's, that's pretty cool. Because you know what, jo- what Joshua did? He went in and he killed the Canaanites and the Girgashites and the Perizzites and all the... He, he went in and just cleaned house. And, and you know, when Jesus comes, the Messiah, you know what he's going to do? He's going to be like Joshua. He's going to conquer these stinking Romans that have us under oppression. I think that's pretty neat. It's about time somebody did something, and I'm glad to be a part of it because, because now... This, this Joshua, this Jesus is going to come, and he's going he's to take care of us and deliver us from that. And you know, there's some people that think that when Jesus came, that that's what he did. He came just to vanquish all your adversaries, right? And there's some preachers that teach that. Jesus came to take care of all your physical problems. So if, you, if you're sick or you got an ache and pain or if you got some disease, man, Jesus came just to take it all away. That's what he came. Or if you got problems financially, 
You know, he's here just to take away those financial problems. Never mind that, that you made some foolish decisions, okay? But he's here just to take that away and just give you lots and lots and lots of money. And that's what some people kind of think. And that's sort of what probably was going through Joseph's mind is, hey, this Jesus is coming. He's going to do that. And yet the verse goes on to say, and she shall bring forth the son. And he shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their what? Sins. Now, when Joseph heard that, he probably still didn't get it because he's like, whoa, okay, sins? Whoa, whoa, we got that covered. Just about 80 miles south of where we are, there's a city of Jerusalem, Lord. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but there there's a temple. And, and when we got sin, I bring a sheep to the temple and give it to the priest and the priest sacrifices and, and the sin goes away. So we got this sin thing covered. So we're fine with the sin thing. We got this whole system set up for the sin thing. The problem is the Romans. Let's talk, you want to talk about sin? The Romans have a sin problem. And God, uh, the good solution to sin problem is you just go in and wipe them out, Right? Just wipe them out. And so he's thinking about that. And what Joseph may have failed to realize, and what many people fail to realize today, is that we've got a bigger problem than the Romans. You've got a bigger problem than whatever is in your mind. When you think of, when I say problem, something comes to your mind or someone comes to your mind, you got a bigger problem than that. And the problem that they had and the problem we have is a little three-letter word, S-I-N, sin. Now, sin isn't what you say it is. It's not even what I say it is. It's not even what our collectiveness determines sin is. Sin is what God says that it is. And when God says this is a sin, it doesn't matter. Well, society, Pastor, doesn't feel that way anymore. Well, society's wrong. Well, how can it be wrong? Well, if God says it's wrong, it's wrong. Sin is what God calls it. God gets to decide what's right and wrong. Not me, not you. It really doesn't matter how I feel about it. Well, I just feel this. Well, good, you feel that way, but you're wrong. Right? Have you ever said unkind words to people and felt good about it? Yeah. You knew you shouldn't have said those unkind things. You knew it hurt her feelings, but you said it anyway, and it felt good. But it was wrong. And so just because it feels good doesn't make it right. They had a bigger problem. And so Jesus was coming, and he was coming to deliver us and deliver them from their sins. Because here's the truth. When Jesus does what he came to do, Joseph, you won't need a temple anymore. You're not going to need a sacrifice or a priest anymore. You won't have to go to Jerusalem for it anymore. Because what Jesus is going to do is he's going to actually solve the problem. Jesus isn't just going to pretend like it's not there or push it under a rug. Jesus is going to take care of the sin problem. And when we have a problem, okay, whether it's big, medium, or large, it doesn't go away just because you snap your fingers and click your heels together and it's gone away. No, it goes away when you deal with it, like Jesus dealt with the sin problem. And what did it do? Well, it cost Jesus. It cost him his life. He suffered and died not for his sin. It wasn't even Jesus's problem. In fact, Jesus never sinned. When he died on the cross, it was our sins that he took. It was my wrong. It was your wrong. It was our problems that he carried with him. Verse 22, 23, he goes on to say, now all this was done that it might be fulfilled what was spoken of the Lord by the prophets, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. You see, long ago there was the prophet Isaiah who foretold of this birth. 
in the deliverance. In other words, this was all part of God's plan. This wasn't just a spontaneous thing. It wasn't that God woke up one day and God said, hey, it'd be pretty neat to have uh, Mary and Joseph and the virgin birth. And This was all planned out long, long ago. As he said, listen, virgin is going to be with child. <laughs> Follow me. God knew 700 years before this moment about Mary and Joseph's problem. When Isaiah penned that word 700 years prior to that, God already had this thing planned out. God says, I'm going to plan for this problem, which really isn't a problem. It's actually a good thing. It's actually a purpose that I have. You know, the, whatever you're facing, God knew about it before you did. You know that before you had that conflict or, or you had that issue or that, that, that th- problem happened at work or the problem happened with your family or somebody in the church or, or, or the you know, dilemma that you're facing with finances. Do you know before any of that materialized, God was well aware of that and God allowed those components to come together and he allowed that to happen. 700 years before that. And he says, you're going to call his name, and he gives an insight, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. In case we were not familiar with that term, he tells us, which interpreted means God with who? Us. This child that's going to be born, Joseph, it's going to be God. I mean, again, he's, he's blowing his mind because all these things don't happen. A virgin can't be pregnant. And babies aren't God. They think they're God, but they're not, okay? <laughs> but this one is going to be God in a body. Now, despite all that was going on, the shock of the baby, the shame that they felt because of what others were going to say, the unexpected travel that they would have to make from Nazareth to to Bethlehem, the delivery that was going to be in the manger. Despite all that was going on, God was with them. God was with them. God was there. God didn't leave them. God didn't abandon them. God was right there with him. And here's what I want you to take away from this as, as, as we come to an end. Here's the, here's the statement I want you to get. Never let the presence of your problems cause you to doubt the presence of God. Never let the presence of problems cause you to doubt the presence of God. You see, by all signs that were around them, it looked like God was gone. And when you got problems in your life, problems feel like God is absent, don't they? That he's distant. That he just doesn't care. Because after all, if God was here, my problem wouldn't be here, right? You got God in problem, and so if God's here, problem's gone, right? That's, that's our mindset. Problem means God's not here. And we think about that in our life. We think about it in the church, and we go, oh, our church has problems. That means God isn't here, right? Right? That's what some of you think. We've got a problem here. So God is gone. He's left the building Listen, God was not only there for Joseph and Mary. God had planned for this problem to be there too. Wait a minute. God allows problems to come? Absolutely. Because when problems come there, then God gets to show up and he gets to become the hero of the day. Right? God shows up and God does what only God can do in the problem. If there's no problem, then, then what is there to be spectacular? I'm here. Well, yeah, we don't need you, God. There's no problem. Well, there's a problem. Like we, we need God. 
Here's what I want you to understand. Problems and God can and do occupy the same space. They do. So when there's a problem in your life or in your family's life or in the church, that doesn't mean that God has just vacated the place. Because God says, listen, I want you to understand, Joseph and Mary, I'm with you. If Joseph had ended the marriage, it would have created a bigger problem. That that would be a problem. And so God says, listen, I am with you. I'm with you. I'm not leaving you. You see, God had a a purpose that could be accomplished. But Joseph and Mary at this point couldn't, couldn't see all of it. And the people around them couldn't quite see all the details. So what did Joseph do? Verse 24. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. And he knew her not until she had brought forth her first, their firstborn son and called his name Jesus. And even though the situation would not be resolved without difficulty, Joe decided he would trust the Lord. And it was then that he experienced a peace that came despite the problem. Despite the problem there, he had peace. And Joseph learned this, that peace isn't found in the absence of a problem. Peace is found in the presence of God. If you've got problems, you know what you need more than anything else? God. You think what I need is that problem to go away. And that problem won't go away until you confront it as Joseph did. So I don't know what particular problem you're carrying around this Christmas. But I want to end the message with some practical advice on how do you apply this principle to your life. What, what do you do with this? And I want to share with you some, just some thoughts of how, how you do it. The first piece of advice I would give you is this. Seek out the Lord's direction and not your deliverance. You see, painful problems have a way of causing us to focus on deliverance instead of the direction of God. When it hurts, what do you want more than anything? To stop hurting, right? When when you're in, in in a room and it's uncomfortable, what is the first thing you want to do? Get out. So here's what I want to encourage you. Stop looking for the exit sign and look at the directional sign. Instead of looking exit here, I want you to look for the sign that says this way. Go this way. Because in the bits of the problem, God is going to be giving you direction of how you deal with that. Whatever that looks like. And God, Because God already knows what's going on. So when you're in the problem, instead of just looking about how do you run away from it, I want you to start looking at how do you run towards God in the midst of it. Don't don't just simply try to, to, to seek deliverance, seek direction. And then the last thing I would tell you to do this is respond as if God is with you. Because he is. What would you do if God was with you? What, what would you say to that person if God was with you? How would you respond if God was there right beside you? Because if you're a believer, he is. He's right there. He's right with you. So what would you do if God was there? See, sometimes we act as though God isn't there. And that's why you say the ugly things that you say. And that's why you just throw gasoline on the fire. And that's why you refuse to deal with the the situation. And that's why you pretend like it's going to go away. And that's why you make excuses. And that's why you blame. It's his fault. It's her fault. I'm right. If you only knew how right I was, you you would applaud me. 
If God's there, God already knows what's going on. He doesn't need a new... God, let me explain. God already knows. God says, what are you going to do to glorify me? Because the solution to it is not that I'm lifted up and, and saw to be the winner. The solution in every case is, is Jesus magnified. God with us. So right here and right now, God is with us. 2,000 years ago, he came to our world as Jesus Christ to free us from our sins. In just a moment, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray a prayer. And I want to invite you to join me in this prayer if this represents your heart. Because I don't know who's here this morning, but maybe you need God in your life. Maybe, maybe it's time that you had God with you. God wants to save you. Now, please realize that just saying these words, nothing happens. It's not, they're not magical words. They're not like abracadabra and the cave opens and stuff. But if your heart truly desires God to be with you and you want to be delivered from your sins, because that's what Jesus came, your sins, Jesus will save you. And for Christians, you've maybe you've already done that, of course, if you're a believer. But isn't it true that oftentimes we can just operate just like God isn't around? Maybe you need just kind of remind yourself, hey, God's God's bigger than any problem I got. He's got this. See, the Bible tells us this, and I'm going to pray. Romans chapter 10. Verse 9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Because Jesus Christ died on the cross, he was buried, and three days later he rose, he is alive today to offer forgiveness and salvation to those that call upon his name. Let me close in this prayer. And if this is your prayer, make it your prayer this morning. Lord God, I thank you that Jesus came and he died for my sins. I believe that he's the Savior. And I believe that he took on his body on the cross my sins. Lord, I believe that he rose again to prove that he conquered death and conquered the grave and conquered sin. And right here and now, I trust him to be my Lord and my Savior. I ask you now to forgive me of all my sins and to come into my life. And Lord, I promise to serve you from this point on the rest of my life as you give me the grace to do so. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.